because God realized a plan through Jesus Christ, then we do have forgiveness of sins. We do have the hope of eternal life and we do have the promise of eternal rewards, but only for those that realize, live out and fulfill God's purpose, which encompasses the greatest condition that we love the Lord above all things. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. As part of today's message, we'll be sharing about why we need to grow in Christ. If we understand God's full purpose for us through the scriptures, we will see that salvation is only the tip of the iceberg. God wants more than just eternal life for us. He wants for us to fulfill a purpose that impacts eternity. His will is to ultimately break the cycle of sin and perpetuate eternal life throughout our lives, our surroundings, and after us. But the only way that can happen is by abiding and growing in Christ. Today's message is based on the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 14 to 21. Let us listen to what God's Word has to say about this. Let us seek the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you, I bless you, I glorify you, O Lord, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted for your goodness, your mercy, for your grace, for all the things that you have done that you plan to do for us, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you please forgive my sins. Please, Heavenly Father, always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you be patient with us. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, now that you may help us to understand, that you may challenge us, but together with that challenging that we may know that we can rely on you. Heavenly Father, help us to have hearts that wish to pursue you, that wish to follow you and to grow in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I will be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 14 to 21. This is the word of the Lord. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they will see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Everything in the Lord has a purpose, and within God's purpose, each and every one of our lives has a purpose within that grand scheme. We're not allowed to exist on the earth just because. There is a reason for our existence. God made you with the plan in mind. There are no accidents in Christ. There is no one that can say that God does not have anything for them. And of course, absolutely no one can say that God does not love them because of the simple fact 
that you are listening to this message today and that you woke up somehow today from your sleep and are functioning as a human being with all of the abilities that you have. God is speaking to you through this very humble servant and giving you the chance to understand and be a part of his kingdom and a part of his purpose. There are absolutely no coincidences. That's why it is so necessary to not only come to Christ for salvation, but to also fulfill the wonderful and incredible plan God has for your life. The very first thing that we need to keep in mind is that God has allowed for you to exist. You may or may not have been planned by your biological parents, but despite whatever they were thinking or whatever their intentions were, you were on God's mind and he was the one that made you. Psalm 139 has this to say, for you, speaking of God, form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So you see, God formed you. This is where we understand that abortion is wrong, for instance, because God's eyes are on the unformed substance of a person when the two components come together and a human being is conceived. The ovum and the sperm are nothing by themselves, but when they come together and are joined as one, then there is a being even before there's a heartbeat. This is why every life is precious to the Lord, even the ones that supposedly are unplanned or come as a surprise speaking in human terms. And so you exist because God has allowed it. But if a person chooses to end that life, then they have put themselves in the position of God to take that life because God is the only one that should decide whether we live or die. God decides our time, not us, and certainly not others, no matter how much society says that a woman has a right to do whatever they want with their body. It is true that a person, not just a woman, can do whatever they want with themselves, and of course, whatever people choose to do with themselves will carry consequences within that. But the moment there is a little unformed being within them that is not part of their body anymore, this little being is contained within their body, which is very different, and therefore it is not part of them anymore. And they are responsible for what happens with that little being that God is forming within them. But moving forward, the Bible also explains that he loves us and tends to the righteous and the wicked the same way. That's how much God loves everyone and desires for everyone to have a chance, an opportunity. It says in Matthew chapter five, the following, but I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God treats everyone the same with the hope that if there are those people that are doing evil, that at some point they do consider his goodness, his mercy, and especially his love through his son, Jesus Christ. That is how God shows his love by giving life to all and the ability to make a free will decision and the time to consider what he does all of the time and in unmerited fashion. God does not owe anyone anything. God doesn't owe life to anyone. The day you have today was granted, not owed. That's what we all need to start understanding. God doesn't owe us a single thing. 
Ezekiel chapter 18 gives us the knowledge that God is all about new beginnings, about giving a person a new start through the Lord. If a person converts from their evil ways, for it says, but if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness he has done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? This is God's true purpose, for everyone to have the opportunity to understand their sin and to turn away from it out of their own free will, because they have understood what is right and wrong through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, so they can love God for what he has done for them. The Bible says that we were conceived in sin. That's our start, whether we like it or not. And the Bible also says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here lies our problem, yet our hope as well, all in one verse. For it is written, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we deserve to die for our sins, for the wrongs we have committed. But God can grant us eternal life through the gift of Jesus Christ, that whosoever comes to Christ may experience God's salvation and acquire the greatest purpose known to mankind. The Bible teaches us in different places that God has a purpose for our lives, for each and every one of us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the Bible also says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the following, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you see, it is quite clear that we were made with a purpose for good works. We were created with the ability through Jesus Christ to impact eternity. That's what we were made to do. But how can this happen? How can our lives make this eternal impact that God desires for each one of us to make? The first thing is coming to be born again in Christ. We cannot do anything by ourselves, no matter the good intentions we may have. For it is written, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We need to be born again in Christ. We need to have the indwelling of God himself in our lives. But how that happens is by keeping God's word. For it is also written, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Keeping God's word is not just learning it, but more importantly, applying it to our lives in a very practical and meaningful way. The word of God is the key for everything in our lives without question. For it is also written, for assuredly I say to you till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. 
Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The way that true eternal greatness is achieved is by fulfilling God's word in our lives. And by what we read also, we saw that we need to continue the process in helping others learn, but through our example. This is the example we see in Paul's life. He started as something else prior to coming to Christ. But when the Lord showed up in his life, he was transformed into something else. And after that, he continued moving forward, continually changing and fully committed to God's purpose for his life. So you see, we cannot just stay at being saved. We cannot stagnate with salvation alone. We need to grow in Christ in order to fulfill God's purpose. Here is where many people find a great challenge in understanding that it is not just about God saving you, but just as important, there must be a pursuit of God, of following him, of continuing to grow and change. I'll give you an example. I think we can all agree that gold is a very precious thing. In the world, it carries great monetary value, and it can also be used for many things. But does gold ore in its natural form, when it's first mined, hold any value all by itself? And the answer is no. No matter how much gold ore is found, gold's true value only comes after it has been changed, processed, and purified. Only then does gold come to have the value that it truly possesses. It takes time and much processing to get gold to its final form. It even takes a process of fire to melt away all of the impurities that gold has so it can reach its greatest value. In a similar manner, we cannot just stay at our initial form and in come into Christ. We cannot just stay as an ore with all kinds of impurities and worthless materials intermingled. There is no shine in gold if all the junk is left. Likewise, if we remain in our sins with junk in our lives, within our hearts and minds, we will never shine. We will never become valuable. We gain value through the Lord, through time, through the processing and shaping and transforming of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I'll give you another example. We spoke before of a shapeless human being, the one that emerges in a woman's womb after being conceived. Every human life is valuable to God, but if a little being stays in that condition and they never develop to become first a baby, then a child, and then an adult with abilities and knowledge, ready to be able to serve God and his fellow man, they are ultimately an unrealized potential. Potential has no value if it is never realized. Do you understand why it is necessary to not just come to Christ, but to also grow in Christ and to become God's realized plan, fulfilling the very things that God has planned since the beginning for your life? What value does an unrealized plan have? God loves people, but he not only said, he realized the actions that took place to show his love. The greatest manifestation of God's love, of God's realized purpose, is Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came to be born on this earth, to do everything that he did while here, died on the cross, raised from the dead, and then ascended to the heavens to take his rightful place. If the plan were not executed, then no matter the intentions, no matter how great and wonderful and awesome the plan, it would have just remained as a plan and nothing more. But 
because God realized a plan through Jesus Christ, then we do have forgiveness of sins. We do have the hope of eternal life and we do have the promise of eternal rewards, but only for those that realize, live out and fulfill God's purpose, which encompasses the greatest condition that we love the Lord above all things and that we show that love to him through our actions, through the way we live out our lives for him as we realize his plan, his purpose for our lives. This is the main reason for why we cannot just stay at being saved alone, but we need to grow in Christ so we can realize God's purpose for our lives. Otherwise, the purpose is never realized. And without purpose, our lives are meaningless. We have no value. It is absolutely necessary to grow in Christ so we can become everything God made us for and realize the intentions of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But always remember that it is your decision whether you want to accept Jesus Christ and to grow in Him. I hope you understand that it is absolutely necessary to grow in Christ. God will provide all of the opportunities possible through His Word, through His Holy Spirit. But you must be willing to listen and to obey and to do as He encourages us to do. Every day is a new day filled with new opportunity to do what is right before the Lord. I encourage you to look at these opportunities and seize them as you look to continue growing in Christ. We cannot just stay where we are. We cannot afford to stagnate. We were made to be in Christ and to grow in Christ, ultimately to abide in Christ. Jesus himself said this to us, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And it continues saying, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So you see, it is not just about believing in Christ. It is not just about getting a service from God. Growing in Christ is the same as abiding in Him. Abiding in Him is the only way that we can bear fruit. There is no other way. And according to the Bible, we need to bear fruit because as we just read, that if we do not bear fruit, then we will be cast out. And if we are cast out, then we will be gathered and we will be thrown into the fire. And that, my friends, is not a good place to be. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so we can live eternally, not so we can be burned. But make no mistake, if we do not fulfill the conditions that rest upon us, the ones we are responsible for, then we are the ones that are choosing ourselves the evil that will happen later on. It is not God's fault if a person chooses not to abide in Christ and just looks to serve their own purposes, to fulfill their own plans, and to look for their own interests without any regard for God's will. That's why God gave us His Word, so we can grow, so we can understand, so we can ultimately live. Just like the Apostle Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
if you truly believe in Christ, then my counsel to you would be for you to choose to grow in Him so you can realize the potential God made you with. I challenge you to pursue the Lord and to grow in Him. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessed be your name forever and ever. Thank you, O Lord, that you have such great things for us. Lord God, that you just don't, not only do you just wish to save us, Lord God, but also, Heavenly Father, to be able to do great things for you. Lord God, your desire is for us to impact eternity. That while we're here on this earth, Heavenly Father, your desire is that we impact others around us. That we are, through Christ, can able to change things. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that there is a greater purpose than just the here and now. That there is an after. That you have rewards for those that serve you, that love you, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful with you. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that we need to serve you. To look for your purpose. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to ultimately follow you. And not the other way around. You are not here to serve us. You are not our slave, but Lord God, help us to understand that you are Lord and that you are the one that needs to tell us what we need to do and not the other way around. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to have sensitive hearts to you, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. We would love to help. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.